walks on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK from Tamastin and all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. The Welcome to the Run TMC podcast. That is the Run, the Marin County podcast, a podcast about basketball in Marin County. I am Duffy Ballard, and as usual, I am joined by my friend, Coach Dave Levine. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Duffy, we've made it five episodes on the Runt McPodcast. I'm very proud. We have a starting five of podcast episodes. Right, Dave? We do. We do. Starting five, baby. Our starting five is out, and they are, they are running five out, like everyone these days. That's, that's what you do. We don't lead, we follow. Dave, we follow. All right, housekeeping. Should we jump right in? Yeah, jump. let's do it. Our interview this week for this episode, awesome interview, pretty long. So as we always say, we're going to try and be brief, and then we kind of fail. But uh, this time, we're you know, try, try, fail again. So, logistics, housekeeping, uh, website, therunTMCpodcast.com. Thank you, Angela Ballard. Instagram account, at runTMCpodcast. T-shirts, our T-shirts from Custom Inc. have arrived. They are lovely. If you are a shirt snob, you will like this blend. It is very soft. Uh, It could pass if you have a shortage of toilet paper. It might just be good enough for that. And they're very stylish. Great job, Katie Levine, uh, with the logo on the back of the shirt. And so we are distributing the t-shirts, but we are selective. Not just anyone at this point will be receiving a t-shirt, but we do hope to go viral at some point with our t-shirt business, Dave. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they accentuate the guns. Duffy has um, you know, just a ridiculous build, and this, these Run TMC t-shirts just do it justice. I have the nice, lithe, skinny arms of a 85-year-old woman. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you for t- that. The t-shirts are a hit. So KK, our buddy KK, I gave her her t-shirt because of her fabulous guest appearance on episode three. And we were in the gym with a bunch of other uh, high schoolers and uh, junior high kids playing. And I got about 15 requests for, hey, can I get a t-shirt? Can I get a t-shirt? So I think these are going to be a hot commodity duff. Uh, and speaking of t-shirts, we plan to award t-shirts to our correspondents. So we're back on the correspondence again, Dave, as we have uh, next week is tryouts. So the season will be upon us within a few weeks, and we're looking for the correspondence. Really, we would love to have, at least for the high school teams, one correspondent for the boys team, one for the girls. And then we're also looking for correspondents who might be uh, spending a lot of time either watching or coaching CYO or other youth basketball. So really open to correspondence at any level of basketball in Marin County. We have a Google Form, lots of uses for Google Forms these days. But for now, if you're interested, just email us. Uh, you can go on the website or Insta us. Uh, you can email us at theruntmcpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll uh, have you fill out the form and then we'll work out the correspondent deal. So that is exciting. We're looking forward to getting video clips, voice memos, whatever pictures, 
Yeah, whatever whatever strikes in the moment. Sounds great. And then Duff, I'm going to handle the disclaimer this week since you've been carrying the disclaimer weight up to this point. So Duffy and I both have coaching roles at local high schools. As we've talked about, we have day jobs. This podcast is not affiliated with any of that. It is a fun thing that we wanted to do to help celebrate basketball and Marin and the hoops community here. So we are not using this podcast to recruit or promote anything related to our programs or our other jobs. Now, obviously, we, we have costs um, that we have incurred to make this podcast as good a product as possible for our listeners. So to cover those costs, we are very open to sponsorship opportunities. So please reach out if you're interested. We'll get to our sponsors in a minute. Um, but for now, Duff, why don't we talk some basketball? And why don't we move on to our glossary segment? And again, since I usually hit lead off on this one, I'm going to defer to you. What's your glossary We're term? mixing it up. I have two. Ooh. The first one is not basketball related, although I think I could probably work it into a sentence about basketball. But because it rained yesterday, Dave, and I, I was biking into work today, I was smelling the earth. This is a great word. It's petrichor. Petrichor is the smell of the earth after a first rain in the fall or in the spring. Petrichor. That's a really good one. I feel like there was an album called Petrichor by somebody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google it after this. But, right. uh, we'll get that in player control. Yeah, exactly. That's excellent. Yeah. All right. And my basketball one, which also it's a word that can be used in many other settings as well, but it is wolf. And Dave, you and I just learned this basketball term only a couple weeks ago when we were playing basketball. More on that later with our guest today, Dave Deneen. And he was yelling it at, uh, at us and at others during a pickup game. And essentially, this is um, a way to warn someone that you have someone like Jose Alvarado from the Pelicans. He's sneaking up from behind. He's trying to poke the ball away from Chris Paul. And rather than say behind or man on, you just say wolf. And I think that's great. I've started using it. Sometimes people look at me and they're not sure. But once you use it a few times, they're like, oh, I get it. And it's to the point, conveys the message very succinctly. I'm a big fan. What do you think, Dave? I, I loved it. I, you and I both had the same reaction when we were playing with Dave and he was shouting it. We were on the same team. We'll talk about this later, but um, agreed. It's a great word. It's a great use of it because I'm one of those guys who says behind. And basically, you know, you're telling your teammate there is a defender coming up from behind you, right? But when you say behind, your teammate might think, oh, Duffy's open behind me. Right. And that's not the case, right? So it's the equivalent of, as you said, soccer's man on. Um, I thought just a great, uh, efficient way to convey a very important message to your teammate. Well, behind could also be like, why are they admiring my hindquarters right now? We're playing a game of basketball. That's I, right. Yeah. That's I know right. I got it there, but you know, let's I'm, talk about that after the game. I mean, your Run TMC t-shirt does make your behind look great as well. <laughs> but uh, all right, that's, that's a really good one, Duff. What do you have? What do you have today, Dave? All right, my term is actually, it's a kind of a double term, but um, is Zoom action which is also referred to as Chicago action. So this is a, uh, an, we're back on offense, Duff. We, we, we had a, a defensive interlude last time, but I'm back to offense. So this is an action that involves three offensive players usually. Uh, so let's once again assume that we're in a five out set, which is de rigueur these days. Um, so you got a point guard up top, you have a wing. Let's pretend we're on the right side of the court. You have a wing on the right wing, and you have a player set up in the right corner. 
Zoom action involves a down screen with the wing setting a down screen for the player in the corner, and then an immediate dribble handoff from the point guard. So the point guard starts dribbling to their right towards the wing. The wing goes and sets a down screen for the player in the corner. The player in the corner comes off that screen and goes right into a dribble handoff with the point guard. And a dribble handoff, in case people don't know what that is, think quarterback, running back, just a, literally a handoff. Only in basketball, it serves two purposes. One, it's a way to transfer the ball from one player to the other, so it's a very, very short pass. And two, it's also a screen at the same time, right? So the player handing the ball off comes to a jump stop, sets a screen. The player receiving the ball then can come off that screen. They can either sh go right into shooting a three. They can come off and curl and head toward the basket. Um, a lot of different uh, options. So very common action. Now that you hear it, you'll see it in the NBA all the time. It's very popular in college sets as well, and we're starting to see it in high school. I've been running it with my AAU team. Duffy's raising his hand. It's our new way to signal so we don't talk over each other. Yeah. So I have a couple questions. Yes. So does it matter? First question, I'm going to ask both questions. Does it matter which corner? How do you choose which corner you're running out of it? And the DHO, where should it approximately occur? Yeah. And then also the observation that you'll see the Warriors run this a lot. Draymond is really good at it. And you'll notice sometimes he does the DHO and he stops and sets a screen. Other times, it's he just blurs. It's like, and then he goes to the hoop. Right. So it can be set as a screen or it can be set as just a, a really quick motion where it's a crisscross and the defense is hopefully going to get confused and you'll have some sort of advantage coming out of that crisscross. Really good question. So the first on the which corner, so I would say this varies by level. So if we're, if we're a really good varsity team and our, the, pl the player that you're setting this up for, generally the player in the corner, right, who's coming off the screen and then gets the handoff, if that player can go right or left, then the corner doesn't really matter. If it's a player that's maybe more dominant with his or her right hand, let's say, start in the left corner so that they're coming off the DHO and penetrating middle with their dominant hand, right? Uh, the DHO should occur at around the 45, Duff, to bring back another glossary term. So we want spacing here, ideally outside the three-point line uh, at the 45 to give us great options. Now, the, the third thing I'll say, great point about Draymond, this is also frequently used in a slightly different way. So instead of the point guard uh, making the DHO, the point guard could enter the ball to a high post. So you have, now you have a post player, right? You have a four or a five at the high post at the elbow. Then the point guard goes and sets the down screen for the player in the corner. The player in the corner comes up and receives the DHO from the post player, Draymond, right. Right. Jokic. So what that does is now you have a mismatch, right? You have a, a smaller player, most likely, or a wing, getting a handoff from a post player. If the defense switches, now you've got a small player guarding a big player, right? So the, that's um, often the pick and roll strategy with a big and a little, right? So good questions, Duff. Yeah. Uh, and a couple cautions if you're running this, players and coaches. If you do the DHO, too close to the baseline or too close to the sideline, yep. what's going to happen, Dave? Yeah, the, the defense is going to blitz it, they're going to double it, and you're going to get stuck. You're going to get stuck, and you're maybe going to have a turnover. So right. it's really important to have the spacing figured out so that you're making the DHO in space where you have the ability to attack either baseline or into the middle. Yeah, and we ran this, actually it's funny, um, we ran this this weekend uh, with my AAU team, and it, it got us a three, and the way we did it, on that one was on the DHO, instead of just doing a jump stop and a straight handoff, 
And actually, shout out to my friend Zach Barello, who was talking to me about how they like to do their dribble handoffs with a jump stop, reverse pivot, and kind of a pitch back, mm-hmm. almost like a you know like a toss sweep. Right. For, if we're bringing yeah. it back to football, and if you a have a three flicker, a, right, exactly. And if you have a shooter who's got some range, so if this the DHO happens at the three point line, you pitch it back, and in our case, our, our player shot you know two feet behind three point line, and she nailed it. Um, it's a really nice action. So. The reason, by the way, it's called Chicago action is the Bulls ran this a lot with Derrick Rose. And so some keen observer started calling it Chicago action, but it's also referred to as Zoom action. So hopefully that makes sense. If you have questions about it, feel free to email us. I tried to run this yesterday, Dave, with the JV team, and uh, it did not work. But it did not work because of a very grumpy official. And... More on that some other time. Okay. And what we're going to call our next door segment. Okay. Sounds like it might, might have been a coaching issue as well. But Pro- probably the fact that, you know, I had the player start the play out of bounds. That and small detail. Small detail. Yeah. All right. Uh, sponsors. Let's time. Do it. Like, our sponsors need some love. Let's see. Are you, you're going to go first this time, right? Yeah, I can do that. Um, we, we love our sponsors. Uh, so our first one, Nike Camps at San Domenico, Jeff Skaggs. Mike Fulton, I'm not going to give you guys a minute or, or two minutes this time. I'm going to keep it short, but short and sweet. 24th year of the Nike camps at San Domenico. These are summer basketball camps held at San Domenico, put on by Nike. Um, it was sold out in 2023. Uh, we mentioned last episode the amazing list of speakers. Go ahead and listen to that again to get that list. It's impressive NBA agents and scouts and just awesome people. What I didn't mention is the actual coaches who were day-to-day at the camp coaching the kids an incredible list, including Buck and Eddie Joe Chavez and a bunch of other Marin legends. So a really great camp. My daughter Addie loved it. She wants to go back. Can't recommend it enough. And we're very honored to have them as a sponsor. Right. That was almost 15 seconds, but more more like 45. It's we're getting imp- there. It's improvement. Yeah. We're getting better. Thank okay. You. Last time, I felt like I didn't really nail this next ad. They deserve the best possible verbalization of how to promote their business. So I'm going to go again. And so if you are hungry, or even if you just need to have a meeting, even if you wanted to see some folks, go to the hub in San Anselmo, go see our friends, Jerry and Rebecca. And there you can get a grass fed burger. You can get a salad. They have a lot of different salads. They're very nutritious uh, and delicious. They have eight craft beers, including a lovely field work is always on tap. Uh, and they have cider and they have, the kids will tell you the best milkshakes in Marin County. Oreo shake is the winner, but the vanilla is good as well. And they have, I believe chocolate. And Anyway, go check them out on the web and you can see their full menu and then go check out a game on the big screen. Uh, if you have a Tesla or electric vehicle, you can get a charge in while you're waiting. You can go get some supplies at the CVS. Uh, you can uh, go to Safeway if you need some groceries. Uh, there's even a pet store there where you can get pet supplies. So go visit Red Hill Shopping Center in San Anselmo and have a tasty evening at the Hub. We love the Hub. Um, and Duff, I'm, I'm excited to say we have another sponsor that we have signed up as of you know the last two days. Uh, we, we're not ready to announce them yet, but we have another sponsor that we've signed up and another one that we are in late stage discussions with. So we really appreciate the, the support and interest, and that's because... You, the listeners, are spreading the word, and we're getting calls from business, local businesses and individuals who are interested in being a part of it. So yeah. we're very excited. Yeah, and you can be a sponsor for 
three to four episodes. You don't have to do the whole season. So anyway, um, let's get on to talk about our guest, Dave Deneen. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep this very quick because I want to get to this discussion. This was a super fun uh, interview. I, I love Dave. He's been a friend for a long time. My recommendation to our listeners is to listen to this whole interview. Um, Dave has some incredible stories. He's very funny. And uh, some of those stories come in sort of later in the interview. But um, he's thoughtful. He's honest. And he has a great basketball story. He achieved some amazing things as a player, including playing Division One hoops with, he will be the first to tell you, average at best athletic ability. So I have a lot more thoughts on this discussion, Duff. We'll get to those after the interview. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? A stellar interview. You did a great job, Dave. And uh, Dave Deneen was, was great. Really good stories. Gets into a lot of... Uh, detail has some great, you know, little descriptions like burping up threes. He wanted to become a better three-point shooter, so he burped up 300 threes a day. And uh, if you stick with the interview, there are some really funny anecdotes along the way. So Dave is just uh, a great guy, basketball lifer, uh, and I think you'll enjoy the interview. Before we get there, though, Dave, uh, so just as a prelude here, Dave had done written out our script and. Since we skipped player control last time, he had a lot of making up to do. And there's like three pages of script for the player control segment, which yeah. if, if you remember, that's where we admit to having screwed up in a prior episode. And I said, that's probably a little bit much uh, for one episode. Why don't you pick your biggest screw up, Dave, and then we'll cover that in the intro. And we'll have a few more, uh, a few more that we just mea culpa in the outro. That, so sounds, that sound good? Sounds great. Thank you, Duff, for the discipline. I need Duffy in my life. Uh, so this is a, a pre-screw-up. So this in the interview that you're about to hear, I fail to mention something that I want to correct here. Um, Dave asks me about the Branson program and how it, it's, you know, my thoughts on how it's gotten so good over the last couple years. And that's true. And I talk about the Branson program and I mention a number of the coaches in addition to Honick, who have contributed to it. And I mentioned my friend Stevie Johnson, that Stevie was an assistant with Jonas Honick for s several years, and the program just had amazing success. What I failed to mention is that when Honick left Branson, Stevie took over and had amazing success himself as a head coach. And I, I just glossed over that fact. So Stevie, I apologize. Uh, Stevie coached Branson, I want to say, two or three years. Um, they won MCAL. They made it far into... NorCal's, I mean, just one of the best teams in the state uh, under Stevie as a head coach. So I failed to mention that. And then the, the new coach, Demetrius Roquemore, um, is doing a fantastic job as well. I, I didn't mention his name, um, but he's, uh, he's a really good coach, and they're going to be really fun to watch. So I apologize. That was my first of many player control fouls. Duffy is shaking his head in disappointment. Shaking. Stevie also, by the way, Amazing basketball player. He's one of the players in leagues that I, when I saw him, when I see him on the other side of the court, I'm like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. And definitely never liked him guarding me. It's like, all right, well, I might as well just stand in the corner. Not going to get much this game. Uh, great point. Um, played at Redwood in Santa Fe, played in college. And I, I do want to, one last plug from, for our friend Stevie. Fulton mentioned way back in episode one, you know, Kenny Woodard. Michael Turner, Tom Poser, best skills trainers. I mean, I'd put Stevie right up there with them. Stevie's incredible. He's worked with my daughter before. He is so good at working with kids. Um, really, really good coach. So we love you, Steve. Yeah. Come play on our over 35 team, Steve. 
that's basically this. This whole podcast <laughs> is about getting Stevie to play with us in our over thirty-five yeah. league. All right, let's get to the Danine interview. Uh, yeah, let's go. This is a great interview. You'll enjoy it. We'll be back afterwards. All right. Do your quick background. So Dave Danine is our guest. Dave grew up in San Rafael, uh, as did I. He went to San Rafael High, the Bulldogs. He graduated in nineteen ninety, so he's a couple years older than I am, which you can tell by because I look so young. Uh, he played on some great. San Rafael High teams. Um, I actually remember going to see him play on the Bulldogs. They were uh, undefeated in the MCAL, I believe, Dave, in 88 and 89 and 89-90. We'll get into your San Rafael High um, career. Um, he then went to Santa Rosa Junior College where he played basketball. And from Santa Rosa JC, he went on to play at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo where he played Division One. So Cal Poly SLO was uh, slow, was... D2 uh, when he joined, but he knew they were going D1, so he played Division One basketball. Um, after graduation, he's coached at various junior colleges, West Valley, JC, and San Jose, College of the Siskiyous up in Mount Shasta in Northern California, for those of you not uh, from California, and the College of the Sequoias down by Fresno in the Central Valley. Um, he now lives in Reno, where he's joining us. Um, he is a counselor at the University of Nevada, Reno. Um, we're going to get into... Dave's fabulous career, and uh, he's just a, an awesome, hilarious human. But I will say, to close out the intro, he's one of the only people in the world, he is the only person in the world, who will randomly text me out of the blue clippings from newspapers of, like, MCAL all-league teams from, like, 1984. Um, he has VCR recordings of, like, old Drake adult league games. I don't know how he has these things. So he is a... I like to think of myself as a basketball nerd and a basketball nut, um, and Dave takes it to uh, another level. Another level, uh, and then finally, just Dave's one of my favorite all-time people to play with, um, play basketball with, and to watch. He's nobody played harder or with more intensity, and we're going to get into that in a little bit when we start talking about his career. So, Dave, welcome. Uh, Duffy and I are thrilled to have you. So, we thought we'd start with kind of your your. The early days growing up in Marin and in Santa Fe and your your CYO journey. So, when did you first start playing basketball? At what age? And um, you know, talk about your CYO life. I'd like to start by thanking you both for for doing this. I know your busy schedules with family and work, and you know what I've always told you, Dave. Is I just love the history of the game. I love this the history of Marin hoops is something that I love talking about because it's kind of ingrained in our lives and how we grew up in our youth. So uh, thank you very much for doing this. I've listened to the, the first three podcasts and I hope you guys keep it going, okay? Um, but you know, my, my upbringing, uh, very, you know, extremely less than auspicious. I, like a lot of Marine kids, I started off probably playing in seventh grade, uh, St. Isabella's over in Terra Linda. My parents, I grew up in Santa Venetia, so that was the kind of the default there. And you know, struggled. I was really small, uh, you know, and, and didn't fill out till late, like a lot of guys. Um, so uh, that's kind of where I got my start was over at, you know, St. Ignatius. So or, yeah, Dave, did you, did, did you play A in CYO or were you a B player? I, I made the A team uh, barely, you know, I played with some other mm-hmm. guys that, that, you know, as boys mature and grow, a lot are just bigger at a younger age. So, you know, when you're 5'10", 125 pounds, it's very hard to <laughs> to do much right. of anything, you know. Some of us just grow later in life. So 
that's kind of where I got my start and, and fell in love with hoops. So did you, I mean, you're, we'll, we'll get to this later, but your tireless work ethic, I mean, you're someone who worked really hard to become a really good player, to become a division one player. So when you were in seventh, eighth grade, were you working on your game outside of practice? Were you dribbling and shooting at the park or, or like talk about your kind of your commitment to the game at that age? I grew up again right off North San Pedro Road. My mom still lives yep. there today. In 1986, uh, they closed the school there. It was Santa Venetia Middle School, right across the street from the Jewish Community Center. And there's a small gym there. And we used to, you know, there were maybe eight of us from the neighborhood. And we would go in there and play. Not a lot of skill work, really, Dave. I mean, anything that I got skill-wise was from Steve Spencer at the pirate camps in the mid-'80s. Sure. Yeah. Right? We'd, I love those pirate camps. You know, Pete Hayward gave all Marin kids an opportunity to come and hoop during the summer. We do skill work, breakout sessions. He would always start the morning with his hot dog count, right? Let's get a wiener count. <laughs> Who wants a hot dog? And then, Absolutely. <laughs> then we have a game in the late morning and a game in the afternoon. So, um, you know, I look back on those times with a definite smile on my face on how lucky I was to do and attend those camps. Yeah. So, that's interesting. So no, and I, I'm right with you with Steve Spencer. By the way, another correction that we have to make. Poser was talking about Steve Spencer's hairy legs. I mean, Dave, he had the no. the hairlessest. What what's the word? The least hairy legs in the world. They were pristinely shaved legs. Very tan. Um, very tan. <laughs> extraordinarily strong. The best legs I've ever seen. Anyway, yeah. Steve Spencer, strong. shout out. Yes, uh, but Dave, not hairy, Tom. Dave. Yeah. Dave. 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 This is the logo Duffy. chiming in. We're, we're getting off topic, please. Can we return <laughs> to the script? No, I, Duffy, <laughs> I have 28 minutes. I have 28 <laughs> minutes scheduled for Steve Spencer's legs. All right. So, Dave, I will say it's interesting you talk about you didn't do a lot of skill stuff on your own. So when you're playing, you were just playing pickup, right? Like when you go down, you go to the gym with your buddies uh, off North San Pedro, you're just, you're just running three on three, four on four. Is that kind of stuff you're doing? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And and this goes yeah. back, I'm a, I'm a 51-year-old white guy. I remember, you know, the first two I shot at was wooden backboard with, now gone, with uh, metal nets. You know, I remember shooting on those with my dad. So this goes back to like 1979-ish. You're um, like a Jimmy Jimmy Chitwood from uh, Hoosiers. Good, good, good analogy. Yeah, definitely. Duffy, that was also that. off topic. I, I apologize. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of playing. So, Just playing. okay, so your coach is in CYO. Um inspiring, positive, demanding, non-factor, like what kind of coaching did you get when you were young? And did that impact at all your, your work ethic? Very positive. I always, I love talking to people about just how lucky most of us all were growing up in Marin, especially for myself and having such, such strong male figures as coaches, um, people who are positive, who are yeah. great, who, who just wanted to help kids, you know, Jim Orez or Pete Hayward or my dad Brett yep. Tavani, who we'll talk about, who's my high school coach. Yeah, these people really cared, um, and you don't look back. You don't know it at the time, but like the stuff you guys do now, doing all the AAU stuff, Dave. You know, there's going to be a come a time when one of those kids is going to come around in 30 years and go. That's all I remember is the, the patience and the dedication you had to help him become a hooper. Yeah, no, that's 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 beautiful. So that and that's a great that's a great segue into because I wanted to talk about Brett Tavani. So um, Dave, you go to Santa Fe High. Uh, you're on really good teams there. 
So you graduated in 90. I remember going to your games in the late 80s uh, because I grew up in San Rafael. Brett Tavani was the coach there. Brett just retired from coaching two years ago. So, and I don't know how, I mean, I think he coached like 40 years or something in in Marin, in the MCAL at various schools. He was at SR for a long time. He was at Branson for a few years. He finished his career at Archie Williams at Drake. Um, Talk about playing for Brett. Was he, was he a play through mistakes kind of coach and keep you in there and let you work through it? Or you make a mistake, he pulls you out. Um, like, wh- was he positive? Was he kind of more demanding? T- talk about him as a coach. I began uh, high school in September of 1986 at Santa Fe High School. You know, it was probably a 5'11", 140-pound kid, really small. But what Brett did was, it was called after school to, to volleyball. Right where, and I know we, we're getting his name in because we gotta get it in every podcast. Like Bucky Chavez would show up, Eddie Joe Chavez, right there. Four. There we yeah. go. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember so, and we'll laugh at this because we're around the same age. I was, you know, you're 13, 14 years old at the time. Brett was probably 43, 44 ish. So it's just might as well have been 90. Yeah. Correct. At, yeah. And now I'm 51. So how old does that make me? But yeah. I remember trying to guard Brett, and he had a great in and out move and he played at SF State and he might not have been that big but he was competitive and he could pass and he brought in Bucky to make him look good and things like that so I remember after like the first couple of days of Tavani Ball as a freshman going like I can't even stay in front of the coach and I think he's older than dirt so how the hell am I ever going to play high school basketball fast forward four years so Brett's best move was kind of like an in and out move Jeff Martin yeah. who was at TAM who was kind of our big rival that year had the same move and that's how I learned to guard that move was having mm-hmm. to guard Brett for four years. But to get back to your question, Dave, I mean, yeah. Brett was, he put us in a position where we felt confident to go out anywhere in the Bay area and at least be able to compete. We played in the skyline, you know, tournament in uh, yeah. 1988, played Jason Kidd, Lamont Murray, wow. uh, you know, guys who went to rear and some really good players, uh, Jay yeah. Webb, who was at Mitty. So, he wasn't a guy, he wasn't a Bobby Knight or anything like that. He wasn't gonna you know, grind you to a nub, but he put you in a position where you felt good about yourself to be able to go out and compete. Love it. Yeah. Now, so for your development in high school, cause I mean, I, I saw you play, like I said, we played against each other in the summers. I was at pirate camps with you. You just kept developing. I mean, you grew, right? I mean, so Dave's 6'1", Dave? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. 6-1. Um, so not particularly big, you know, not particularly strong, not particularly fast, don't jump really high. Um, but you made yourself into a really good player. And by your senior year, I mean, you were you were putting up some real numbers. And uh, were, were you all league? Yeah, you were, right? they made, made all league, yeah. All Bay Area, is that right? Honorable mention, Bay Area, yeah. So um, was there any particular year that you remember where you made that leap? And again, we talked about this with, with Poser, with Tom Poser, and I asked KK this question too. Um, you know, Tom, I love the way he said it. Like I've been playing basketball for 40 years and there are three years in my career where I just, I can really notice that I made a substantial leap, right? In terms of ability and mindset. Did you have one of those years in high school or was it sort of a steady climb up? Probably that junior going into senior year. It's funny you bring this up. So um, Steve Lavin, who we all know, you know, uh, Love UCLA yep. to St. John's to USD. He was my pirate coach 
my last year. So, you know, I was a junior yeah. maybe this year. We won the Pirate Camp Championship with me and like four piano players. But he, <laughs> and he, he invited, so at the time, they had the lab and camp up in Napa, right? Where we all worked during the summers. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I went up to my dad. I grew up fine, but I think at the time it was 350 bucks, right? And, right. you know, that's, that's a good chunk of change. And Steve said, oh, you got to come up to it. You got to come up to it. And I said, well, you know, I asked my dad and it's really not in the, the cards right now. So we, he called my parents and said, it'd be great for your son. And I went up there and ended up getting MVP of the camp. I got to do individual workouts with Mike Delosio, Patrick Sandal, Steve Spencer, Jimmy Saya. Some of the people that totally motivated and, you know, were huge. And, so for, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so this is, God, this is tough. We're going to go way off track here, yeah. but this is great. Um, so for those of you who are not from Marin, if you're listening to this from, you know, you're in Peoria, Illinois, um, Mike Delo, the, so the names that Dave just dropped, well, first of all, Steve Lavin. So Steve was on the 82 Drake team. That's, as everybody says, is the greatest team in Marin history. Um, Steve is one of the most influential people in my life, um, changed my life. And he was my coach at Pirate Camp when I was a young kid and he was just a Drake grad and Steve went on to, you know, he went on to coach at UCLA at St. John's. He's now the coach at university of San Diego. He was a TV commentator for national television for college basketball for many years. Um, he is a celebrity. He's a superstar and he is to this day, uh, one of the greatest humans I ever met. I saw him a couple weeks ago in San Diego and he still has time for little people like me. And that was before I became a national, international podcast star, really. <laughs> um, but so Steve Lavin was there. Mike Delosio, uh, Drake grad, right, Dave? Yeah, Drake 84. I mean, you want Drake. to talk about a heck of a story. I mean, he was one of the first guys to ever earn a scholarship for Bobby Total story. Yeah. yeah. I, I, he played two years at USF. And then, you know, like back in the 80s, if you transferred schools, usually it was because something bad what happened. You know, it wasn't good. You were a prop 48 or something like that. But... He got in his car and drove to Indiana and he said he, he I, I got close with Mike and then he said he got to, it took him two weeks to get in front of Bobby Knight. You know, they won the national championship in 1987 and the assistant at the time, I believe his name was Tate Slock said, Mike, Tate Slock. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe he said, Mike, I got to be honest with you. A lot of our intramural teams here in Indiana are better than the West Coast conference teams. <laughs> And, and Mike said, well, but Mike had size and he had range and he had toughness. You know, a lot of guys don't have any of those, but you know, he was 6'4", 215, uh, 210. And he said he finally got a tryout and he hit a couple of shots, dove on the floor for a loose ball, took a charge. Bobby Knight pulled him aside and said, hey, I don't want any dead weight around here. You're on the team. Go see the manager about a uniform. Yep. And, he, and he ended up earning a scholarship, like one of the first to only do it under Knight. It's a, and Mike's a great writer. He let me read his writings in his journal. It was amazing to um, read. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I, D- Delosio was one of those guys who, when I was a kid, going to Lavin camps, and he was one of the coaches. And I, I remember seeing him. So the Lavin camps were overnight camps up at Pacific Union College in Anguin, in the middle of nowhere in Napa Valley. And the air, this airplane hangar of a gym that had three full courts. You could put a, you know, an aircraft carrier in there. Um, and I remember early in the morning, like 5.30, going down to work out early birds. as a camper and early seeing Delosio, Delosio just dripping sweat, shooting jumpers and not missing. I mean, what, you know, the guy, the guy had a pure stroke and he would tell 
and later on when I became a coach at the camp, like with you, Dave and Duff, uh, Delosio would tell stories about playing for Knight that were just unbelievable. I mean, first of all, just the the basketball knowledge and what you learn being around Coach Knight um, was incredible. But some of the stories, the kind of the horror stories mm-hmm. of, hey, we played Purdue, we got we got beat, we get on the bus, go back to Bloomington, and it's two in the morning, and we're all getting ready to go to bed. And Coach Knight's like, nope, we're going to practice right now, and run through abuse. a three-hour practice. Yeah. You know, I mean, just it's like you know Navy Seal Hell Week kind of stuff, right? Um, but so so Mike Delosio is the kind of guy that you're working out with, right? And and that so that's just that's incredible. That's really and just cool. just beating the living you know what out of me. And, 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 you know, the difference between, as you guys know, and Dr. Duffy, you know, would know, you know, the difference between a, a human, uh, a kid at 18, as opposed to 25, you're just going to be so much more, um, sure. you know, confident, stronger. And you go through four years of college basketball, you're just going to be completely different than an 18 year old. Yeah. Wait yeah. until you're 25 to go to college. If you want to play basketball, I think that's yeah. what we're, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, we're that's the message here, kids. That's yes. the message. Gray shirt, gray shirt. Red shirt, take eleven, take eleven credits. Go on a gap year. Go find yourself. That's right. And find then hit the transfer portal. Times. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so, Dave, your your Santafel teams, you guys go undefeated in the MCAL. You win North Coast section twice. Correct. And I want, uh, I want to. If someone can, you know, I want to be stand. I want to be correct here, but I believe since 1990, we're the last team to go undefeated in MCL league play. So that's 28-0, and then win NCS back-to-back years. I know there's been Branson teams, other teams that have won the state, but we, mm. so that's like 38-0. Not that I'm tooting my own horn, but I know we won the the most the big games. So it's interesting, um, and I saw that. T- so this team had Mike Bravelli, fantastic player. Uh, we hope to have him on the pod. His sister Michelle has agreed to be on. She's a good friend of ours and a great player as well. But Mike was an awesome shooter, played at USF. They had you. Chris Moore played at, where did he play, Dave? UC San Diego? Correct, yep. Um, you know, really, really good teams, but I guess it's because you guys did, so you win North Coast section, How did you guys ever get close to the state championship game or it always kind of fizzled out in NorCal's? We made it to the Northern California championship game both years. We lost to Mitty, who had Jay yep. Webb, who yep. ended up going to University of Iowa and playing four years there. And they, they had a point, little point guard who went to USF. So I a lot of time, Was yeah. that point guard Calvin something? No, he, he, he fizzled out there. He didn't last too long. Oh, he transferred back. Uh, I remember that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, a lot of times guys would get on these and start, well, you know, we got screwed or something like that. No, they, they were better, you know. Yeah. So to, yeah. to kind of elaborate, I think we were a good Bay Area suburban high school team. You know, when you start looking at, you know, some of the questions we might chat about down the line here, like what's it take to play college and things like that. You know, you put us in the Oakland Athletic League or the league with Sacred Heart, SI, Reardon, Mitty. We're not going undefeated in that league, you know. Yeah. We're just We're just not. Um, but we're pretty good for a Marin County team. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. No. Yeah. I mean, great. <clears throat> Great, you guys were great teams. I also remember you warmed up to "It Takes Two by uh, Rob Bass, and yeah, that was the first time it. I heard that song, and it blew me blew me away. Um, yeah. So let's let's talk real quick about the MCAL. I'm interested in your perspective because you're again you're a, you're an MCAL historian, uh, <laughs> and those of you not in Marin, Marin County Athletic League. Um, so MCAL is changing the schedule this year, 
um, which is interesting. So the no longer the home and home is not going to happen anymore. So now teams are going to play league teams just once. So it's going to be a shorter regular season, and it's just going to be at one gym, you know, one of the other gyms, not going to be a home and home. Um, does that bum you out like it bums me out? What do, what do you think? Sure. I mean, even though I haven't lived in Marin for over 30 years, I still know the tradition and, you know, Tam playing at San Rafael High School and then San Rafael High School playing at Tam and so forth and MC. Hopefully, you know, things change though, right? You can't be like, get off my lawn guy. Uh, just be, <laughs> right. You know, yeah. we got to adapt to the times and um, if that's the way it's going, I'm sure there's, there's reasons they're doing it. So um, hopefully it works out. Yeah, so I mean, I guess they're gonna obviously teams will play a more robust preseason schedule, more tournaments, um, more out of Marin games. It's actually, you know, it's a good thing for, you know, if we look at the league this year, Branson and Redwood. Br- Branson's got tons of talent. You know, they're very, they're very good. Redwood um, also very good. Those are the two kind of the class of the league. Um, the rest of the league is younger, right? And and up and coming. San Marin is good. Archie Williams is is getting better. Um, TL has some talent, you know, I mean, every, there's, there's talent at every school, but I think that for the teams at the top of the league, it's probably better for strength of schedule to play, you know, some really top teams from the East Bay or San Francisco. Um, but it, the bummer is that you, you miss some of that, those rivalry games, you know? So, yeah. And I guess, you know, this is off topic again, Duffy, but how did, how did Branson get to be so good, Dave? You'd be the guy to, to answer that question because th- again, I'm going back 35 years ago. Branson Hoops, you know, wasn't what it is today for sure. How did it evolve into such a powerhouse? Branson was always good, um, but we were we were in a different league, right? We yeah, were in the yeah. Bay Counties League with Marin Academy University, which is a, actually like Wilmerding, very good league, but mm-hmm. it wasn't the MCAL. Um, you know, so back before me, there was Chris Green um, and his younger brother Josh played with me. Josh was a great player. Chris was phenomenal player. Uh, really could have played. High level Division One ended up playing at Claremont McKenna and was I remember a, him. all everything, just an amazing player. Um, so Branson had some good teams under Honick. My year, we went to the Northern California Finals, lost to Darnell Robinson and Emeryville. That was '93, and from that point on, Jonas had a pretty amazing run. Um, the big difference was when Branson joined the Marin County Athletic League. Right, they joined the MCAL a couple years after I left. Mm-hmm. And now they're drawing more kids who maybe would otherwise go to, to MC um, or St. Ignatius. Now they're, the kids are they're like, oh, they're in the MCAL. I think that was, a, that was part of the draw. But also it was just, you know, success breeds success, right? And Jonas, um, Jonas could coach. And then Jonas stepped away for a bit. And uh, Bobby Donlin had some good teams. Um, Jerry Pirro had some good teams. Brett, Brett Tavani had some good teams. Gene and then Barnes. Jonas came. Gene Barnes was Gene, there. For Gene the... Barnes coached there, right? Yeah, Gene's yeah. an awesome guy. Yeah. That's right. Gene coached there. Um, and then Gene, who played at UCLA for, for Steve Lavin. Um, and then Jonas came back, and he just got some really talented classes. And he was playing the same kind of system, which the, the guy can coach better than anybody mm-hmm. but when you have when you're when you have me playing for him that's one thing but when you have guys with real talent uh that system really works and he had a great assistant coach in stevie johnson um and they kind of built that program up and now um you know they have a new coach coming in who i've, I've heard is great um 
And so, and they've got some real talent. You know, Jace Butler, TT Carr, both high-level Division One prospects, which is and, pretty exciting. And I know we're just talking about basketball, but the other side of it, the, the bigger side of it is, man, are you getting the best academic, you know, the academics you can get? I mean, going to Branson. You're, no, you're putting yourself in a position to, to get into Stanford like you or, or, or an Ivy League school. I mean, the college prep, the AP, all that stuff. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, it's right. it's it's great. And, you know, that's that's one thing that we're very fortunate in Marin County, right? Like Marin Academy, the academics are phenomenal. San Domenico, where I coach, is great. Um, but, I mean, the, the public school system in, in Marin is really, really good. I mean, Redwood's yeah. fantastic. Tam, I mean, Archie Williams, every every school is, is, is great. So I think we're very fortunate to have a really good academic um, program here in, in Marin. Right. Um, so you... Santa Fe High, you go to Santa Rosa JC, and I want to talk about going the JC route. Why did you do that, and how did that work out for you? I remember my dad coming up to me and going, you have two choices, you go to college from Rand or Santa Rosa Junior College. I had two sisters, and that was kind of like uh, my parents' path. Like, you can go yeah. go to a community college for two years, that's what we can afford, and then you can apply wherever you want to go. I think we, we should be able to afford that for you. Uh, so I went to Santa Rosa JC and Rude Awakening, kind of like your um, young lady that you had on KK. KK, yeah. Uh, you know, I got up there, guys. The average age of the guys on my team my first year was about 24 years old. So junior college, completely different. There was about six guys, and they were all built like the ex-boxer Marvin Hagler, if you remember that. They were all like 6'2", <laughs> yes. two, two 6'2", two 205, just shredded. Yeah. And could jump out of the gym and uh, good guys. I, I still stay in touch with them, but completely different body than I had, you know, 6'1", 155. I didn't have a lot of shake. I had no lift and I didn't have any range. That's a bad combination. You know, a lot of kids from Wren will go like, well, I wouldn't even consider going to college of Wren or Santa Rosa JC. You should go to one of those games. You should go to a San Francisco City College game yeah. in January and see if you really think you could even make the team. I know that's not probably what you should, I should probably say, but it's true. Um, it's yeah. a lot better level than you think. Um, but what I was, was I was a great teammate and I was never late, never hurt, never injured, no off the court issues, uh, did well academically. Those are all things that I could control. Yeah. Um, but I will say to this, to the day I die, every, both coaches that I played for, Tom Mitchell at Santa Rosa JC and Steve Beeson at Cal Poly Slow, both had every right to cut me. Like, every right to cut me. I was the 15th man, the last guy to make it at the JC. Hmm. But I kept getting better and um, things ended up working out there. So how did you get better? Were you were you working on your own uh, off of this, you know, practice is over, you're staying after, getting shots up? Like what, what did it for you? So my uh, Santa Rosa Junior College coach, Tom Mitchell, pulled me aside like at the end of the first year. I might have played in like half of the games that day. I like having you here. You're good for our program. But if you can't shoot that three, I can't play you, right? Because I the, the three-point shot came in in 87, 88 for high schools. So it was we didn't I didn't make one of them in high school because we just didn't utilize it. It was just so new. But he was more of like during that time frame, Loyola Marymount University, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. They were just bombing a ton of threes. and that's Run and gun. Yes. Yep. Let's try to get to 110 points. So that summer, you know, I burped up, you know, 350 threes a day and then came back. And I think I made like 50 out of 110 my second year at 
which is pretty good, you know, at, at San really Jose State. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's why he put me in the game. And then, um, so, you know, thank God for him. A little tough love, Dave. You're not going to play here unless you can shoot. Right. No. Right. So, no, that's great. So, um, let's talk about how you got to Cal Poly then. So, you're 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 working on your game. You're getting better. You're putting up threes. Now, you want to take the next step. You want to play Division One, right? That's your dream. You're chasing the D1 dream. Talk about Cal Poly. How'd that happen? So after Santa Rosa JC, I, no offers, right? Not, we were good, but I was like the sixth man. I might have started like 15 games, but definitely not like a Division II scholarship point guard or off guard. 6'1", 170, not, not completely skilled uh, in the areas you need to be skilled in. So like you said, Mike Delosio and Steve Lavin were huge. They, I kind of told them my situation and they said, why don't you go chase a division one dream? I said, all right, I'll give it a shot. So how I ended up at Cal Poly. So San Luis Obispo, for those of you who don't know, is about, you know, three and a half, four hours South of San Francisco. I had never been South of San Jose. The only reason I applied to Cal Poly was because I had heard through somebody that they were going division one. This is probably the worst reason to choose a school. <laughs> so they weren't Division One; They were Division Two at that time. Right. But you heard that they were going to make the, the jump up to Division One. Right. And my other number one goal and dream as a child was to play a game at USF. My dad um, did not play at USF, but he attended USF when they had those great teams with Bill Russell and Casey Jones. And sure. my dad followed basketball. So I think I had heard that Cal Poly was going to play a single at USF. So keep in mind, guys, I'm applying to a school because I'm going to try to play a random basketball game at, at USF. That's just not normal. Um, but where it gets even more strange is when I got into Cal Poly, my dad pulled up at a U-Haul. So this is September of 1993. And we loaded it up. It was a small U-Haul. I didn't have a car. He put my 10-speed in there. And I thought my dad and mom were going to jump in with me and, and drive down there with me. My dad hands me $3 and says, here's the, the Golden Gate Bridge toll. Get on Highway 101 and head south for four hours and you'll be there. I had never visited the school. I said, you guys aren't coming with me. I don't even know where I'm going. You know, this is before, uh, for the kids out there, this is yeah. before cell phones, this is before Google Maps. Yes. Did you have this, like a Thomas's book in your car, like with a map or something? or Smoke screens. You know, I just knew to get across the Golden Gate Bridge and I'm driving down 101 in a U-Haul. I said, Dad, what am I supposed to do with this U-Haul when I get there? He says, you'll figure it out. And it was a great advice that a father could give his son. Like, I had been out of college or high school for a couple of years. So good for him. Like. Let's go. You figure it out. This is where you want to go to go dribble basketball and <laughs> you go figure it out. So I, um, I didn't know one person at Cal Poly. I'd never been to the campus. Um, and then, then this is where it really gets a rude awakening. You know, like I know the thing today is to give people, you know, participation trophies. You, you don't get those uh, at college. What I got was the conditioning program. I think about 23 guys showed up the first day to walk on. Coach Beeson said, welcome walks you right out to the track, right? And I'm not making this up. He said, okay, I need you guys to run two miles. So, you know, I'm in okay shape. I make it. Uh, the next day he said, great job, guys. We'll see you tomorrow to do the same thing. And about 12 show up. Great job, guys. We're going to do this one more day. 
And by, by, you know, you know, and again, I'm not killing it on the track. I've got big calves. I'm kind of a plotter and I'm just trying to, you know, <laughs> you know, do something positive. You're and surviving. Surviving yeah. barely. And, um, and after I did that, I was kind of given, you know, allowed to hang around. Yeah. So your Cal Poly teams, you guys in 94, no, 93, 94, uh, you were still Division Two, right? Your, so your first year there, it was the last year of Division Two for Cal Poly. Correct, we did it. Yeah, we played five Division One teams that year. We played at USF. Yeah. So I remember in November of 1993, doing a left-handed layup with my dad up there and about 15 other friends and family, and doing a left-handed layup in War Memorial Gym and saying, "I, I, whatever happens from here, I just achieved my hoop dream." That's yeah, that's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So then the next year, you guys go Division One, and I. I remember this because I was at Stanford in 1995 and my friend Dave Deneen was playing for the Cal Poly San Luis Obispo Mustangs, right? Mustangs. Correct. Uh, and you guys played Stanford at Maples Pavilion and I went to that game um, and it didn't, it didn't go great for you guys, Dave. <laughs> I love you. But uh, there was a guy named Brevin Knight who, uh, who was a tough, tough cover for my, my, my boy Deneen. But um, you guys, I want you to tell the Brevin Knight story in a second, but you guys did not have a very good year and it it's a little bit reminiscent of my friend Duffy's Haverford team. Um, it wasn't quite a 40 game losing streak, but what, what was your guys record in 94, 95? Wait, Dave? wait, 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 Dave, wait, Dave, yes, Dave. are we about to have a biggest loser competition here? <laughs> I, I'm going to win this. That's, that's gonna be a, that could become a theme of this podcast. Right? <laughs> the theme, like, you know, we, I was thinking we could, um, we could name our episodes, you know, like for the platforms that like the, um, the poser Granucci one could be flamboyant yet ineffective. I think this one could just be futility or, or losing or I don't know what, what it could be. But anyway, Dave, what was your what was your guy's record? One in twenty six. And that one win was barely over Menlo College, the Oaks, which was a <laughs> nice. division three team when I had like yeah. nineteen points. And Sweet. we won like fifty six to fifty four. We were pretty much a division three team. I do not hide that fact. So Dave told me mm-hmm. before we recorded this that um, there were 301 Division One rank Division One teams in the country at that time, and that Cal Poly was ranked 301st. Yeah, and strength of schedule, right? I think we had the third hardest schedule, strength of schedule. We opened up to Boston College, Arizona State made the Sweet 16, Stanford, LaSalle. Uh, because when you're a new Division One team, you get a Division One win, and pretty much they're going to thump you. You know, that's why right. everybody wants to play when you're a uh, division, uh, new Division One team. Yeah. So I've heard you tell over the years some great stories. Um, I don't want this podcast to be two and a half hours, but um, will you tell the – so your first game is at Boston College, right? But then I, I love the um, the ASU st- – I remember you told the, me the ASU story one time uh, yeah. with Bill Frieder. Will you, will you tell that one, the Bill Frieder one? So real quick on the Boston College one, right? Yeah. They did the, their best player that year was a guy by the name of Chris Heron. They did oh, yeah. an ESPN thirty for thirty unguarded for him. I read uh, the like book on him, Fall River Dreams. I, yeah, by Bill Reynolds, who just passed yeah. away. Actually, he just passed away. Oh. Yeah. Um, so one night, I, I don't watch a ton of TV. Somebody calls me and goes, "I, I just saw you on ESPN." So um, I'm in that ESPN thirty for thirty unguarded. Um, I hit the first three-pointer in Cal Poly Division One. That was Cal Poly's first. I hit the first three-pointer in Cal Poly Division One history that game, and then BC went on like a twenty-six to three run. 
<laughs> but um, Heron broke, breaks his wrist in the game, ends up transferring and playing for Jerry Tarkanian in Fresno State. Should have been like a 12-year NBA pro, at least a backup, but he got into some crazy drug and alcohol issues. Right. Um, so that was kind of how it started. And then the Arizona State, you know, they had Mario Bennett, uh, who had a cup of coffee yep. with the Lakers, um, another couple really good players. They made the Sweet 16. They were pressing the entire game. I got the inbound. It was like two, a minute 30 left. I looked at Bill Frieder. I said, are you going to pull this thing off? Because they kept pressing, right? And he flips me off from the bench. <laughs> he flips me off. Didn't he and, always have a towel on his shoulder? Yes, yeah. yeah. But the, again, and this is for, we're older. I get back to my dorm room that night at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and there's voicemail messages on my landline answer machine saying, I saw you getting dumped on on ESPN by Mario Bennett. <laughs> which is That's really nice. cool, right? I mean, he did. He just flushed it on me, and that was yeah. um, like a lead on ESPN. It, it, and um, it, it was fun for me, Dave, because I was living my dream. It, you know, looking back on it, we got thumped by 30 every game. We had a couple of close games, but to travel and play those teams was pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. Well, so this that's a situation where – Thank goodness there's no Instagram or Facebook at that time, right? Because you would have been all over. There would have been memes of you getting dunked on with all sure, your friends. Sure, sure. Um, so finally, final war story of Cal Poly. You got to tell the story of the game that I was, I was at the the Stanford game with Brevin Knight. So I, you know, it's it's crazy that since we're coming up on thirty years on that, and I remember where you were sitting on the opposite side. Maybe the yep. first three I've ever seen hi to you. Uh, yep. Thank thank you for coming and watching get get my ass kicked. Uh, yeah, you guys sucked. That's cool. But but here's the, the the little thing I'll tell about that story. Like when that season started, guys, I was pretty much like the fifth string point guard. Over the course of a month, our best player uh, took a summer school class, and the NCAA ruled it wasn't transferable back to Cal Poly, so he's ineligible. Our best player, a guy from LA, six three, two fifteen, went on to play, had like forty eight against James Madison the next year ineligible the next guy who played at carl newman high school ineligible after because at cal poly it's the core system if you don't have above a 2.0 after the first quarter you're ineligible so he's gone the next guy after that got a dui the fourth guy from la thought it would be fun to go steal cds in the dorms cds were big for those younger generation <laughs> in the mid 1990s and go try to sell them to the place downtown arrested so I went from pretty much sweeping the floor to the starting point guard at Stanford University. And I and it and you're right, it was tough. I mean, Brevin Knight's a twelve year NBA pro. Um, I just had a hard time getting the ball over half court. I asked him not to pick me up half court once because <laughs> I, I said because again I have had like twenty friends and family there. And I Did said, you say please? <laughs> yes. Like it was a dead ball and I said, Hey man, is there any chance you can just let me bring it up? And, uh, and, and he had some stuff to him and, uh, you know, I think I said like, I'll just start the offense and run to the corner. I won't even look to score. And, and he, he let me bring it up. And I think Mike Montgomery, who was the coach at the time, who uh -huh. went on to coach yeah. Cal and, and the Warriors, yep. but he let me bring it up. And I, I might've had like nine points that game, but we got blown out just because you know what? It, he was a lot better than I was. And that's, that's how it goes. Brevin, um, yeah, so he was a classmate of mine. Um, I watched him play a lot. I, I'm so thankful I never had to play against him. Uh, one of the fastest point guards I've I've ever seen. Just lightning quick. Tim Hardaway level shiftiness. And 
Um, and also just tough and a chip yeah. on his shoulder. Really nice guy off the court. Awesome guy off the court, actually. Um, like how he but, didn't get recruited by anybody on the East. Like how does Seton Hall, whatever, throw a dart at the board? How do how does he end up at Stanford and all those teams passed on? So he he went to Seton Hall prep. Um, I mean, he grew up in the backyard of Seton Hall and he didn't get recruited there and it was a chip on his shoulder. And so for all you young players out there, you know, whatever it takes to motivate you. I mean, obviously the the most famous one is Michael Jordan. I mean, just watch the the Michael Jordan documentary. That's in, incredible, The Last Dance. I mean, Jordan would sometimes even manufacture stories to get himself psyched up and motivated to stick it to somebody, right? And Brevin is... He went his college career with this chip on his shoulder that I'm going to show those guys. They didn't recruit me. I grew up in their backyard. I was right there. And so he goes across country and he changed the whole complexion of Stanford basketball. Sure, sure. And turned himself into a pro, even though he was an undersized point guard. Um, and unfortunately, he he took care of you in that game. But that was nice that he let you bring the ball across half court. But just quick twitch, you know, squirrely. I thought he could drive me yeah. whenever he wanted to. Thank God he didn't pick me up the full game or I probably would have started crying. I mean, it was just <laughs> like, so, like growing up a rim and getting back to the purpose of this podcast. I, yeah. you know, I just didn't see that type of quickness growing up playing against Sam Ren high school in February, you know, on a cold night. I just didn't see that. It was more methodical. The games were 40 to 39. It was just stuck in mud. So Dave is, is self-deprecating and funny. As you guys can tell, he's one of the best people in the world, but I, I, I want to, Right now, I want to shift gears a little bit, but I want to talk about Dave as a player because um, I want everybody that's listening to understand what his secret sauce was because I think it's it's a story that's important for kids to hear. So um, as we talked about, Dave, not a great athlete, right? Um, not very big, not very fast, but what you did, Dave, was you worked harder than anybody off the court and on the court. So off the court, you're... Talking about, you know, you're shooting hundreds of jumpers a day, you're training, you're doing drills, you're getting better, and you can see how, when you talk about your progression from being this tiny kid at SR to being all Bay Area to playing at Santa Rosa JC to making Cal Poly team and playing Division One basketball, that takes hard work. But on the floor, when you watch Dave play, I, I'd like, I didn't have kids at the time that I watched you play, but I would have... Set, pointed to my daughters, Lucy and Addie, and said, that's how I want you to play. You would take the charge. Tom Poser talked about, be the kid that dives on the floor. Dave, you were the kid that that dove on the floor all the time. I, you sprinted back on defense when other players are jogging. You would sprint to fill the lane on offense to get the easy, fast break layup, and you just outworked everybody. And that made you valuable. And coaches wanted you on the floor just because they knew you would work so hard. You, you, better, you better be able to bring something to the table, right, when you're limited in other areas. Like, I always get back to, like, being a good teammate. Um, a lot of guys aren't a good teammate or, you know, I, I was never late. You know, I think that's a good life lesson. You know, be on time. Uh, you know, the, if you're going to be a walk-on, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to play college basketball at whatever level, Division One, Division Two, like, there's, there's a lot of good players out there, right? And if you're, like, a walk-on, the coach really isn't going to spend that much time with you because they've got 10 other guys they've been recruiting or young ladies that have been recruiting for the last seven months, and that's where they're going to spend their time. So you really can't muck it up on anything off the court. You can't be a bad student, can't be a bad teammate. You have to do a lot, a lot of little things. And then if you get in the game, you can't screw up. 
right? It, you have to do all these things right. And then if you get in the game, you can't turn the ball over. You have to, you know, if you're wide open, you better have a chance of that ball going in. But beyond all that, if you just play hard too, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. uh, pl- play hard. And the other thing that, you know, shines through in the way you played the game is you're a, you're a student of the game. I mean, right, we're talking about, we're going off on all these tangents. Duffy's <laughs> pulling his hair out. But um, <laughs> it's because you, you like, like I, we love basketball, right? And we've watched a lot of basketball. We watched NBA in college and high school. And that comes through and informs the way that you play. So I would, I would equate it to like, we all have those friends who are super social and can kind of walk into any party and maybe they don't know anybody there, but they're super comfortable and they can talk to anybody. And you're like, how does that, how are they so comfortable doing that? That's, that's what you're like on a basketball court. When I watched you play, you just, you have a feel for the game. You're in every situation. You know what to do because you've watched it and you've played it a lot and you played pickup as a kid. Right. And so, um, I just, I, I want, I wish we could have video of you playing because you were so fun to watch and, uh, and relatable for me to watch, right? As someone who is not a great athlete, but you played at the highest level. I mean, well, not the highest, you didn't make the NBA, mm-hmm. but you played division one basketball, man. That's not a lot of people can say that. So super cool. It's, it's a, it's a great sport. I mean, I, like Facebook, right? If I go through however many friends you have on Facebook, uh, that's because of basketball. That's what it comes to basketball. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm in touch with you and, and, and Duffy because through hoop, I mean, it's a beautiful sport and there's so many stories and history behind it. Um, that's why to this day, I still, I'm not going to say I play, but I, I do shoot around and the guys meet me in the gym and do shooting games three times a week in the morning because it's a great way to stay in shape too. You really can't let yourself go and continue to play basketball. Um, so it's a good way to, like Steve Spencer always said, there's nothing that beats a hoop, hoop sweat. Uh, absolutely, it's a different kind of sweat. So, speaking of Facebook, Dave Dave Deneen's, uh one of his great traditions. I don't you don't do this anymore, but every year on Dave's birthday, up until how old are you, Dave? Like like in your mid forties, right? I'm seventy nine. No, yeah, <laughs> I know I know you're fifty two now, but you would like for years you would do this. Dave would video, put his phone down in the gym and turn on the video, and he would make ten three pointers in a row, and then post it to Facebook for his annual birthday thing. And f- kids out there, go turn on your camera and try to make 10 threes in a row and get back to me on how long <laughs> it takes you. Um, I hope that you bring some extra food and water. I mean, yeah. it's that's hard to do. Even really good shooters. And Dave did it every year. Uh, I don't know. When was the last time you did it? A couple years ago. But um, well, I still do this it. guy could it, shoot. I, I did it last year. I did it last year. It's on there. There you go. Okay, good. That's, yeah, that's yeah. you know what? That's a commentary. That's a commentary on I don't check Facebook anymore. Um, but, and I will say during COVID, Duffy and I and a few guys would get together and shoot hoops. Um, and we were, you know, being socially distanced. So we would just do shooting games. We wouldn't play pickup because we were trying to be, you know, respectful of the pandemic. So we would just shoot. And Dave, you were in town and we texted and I said, hey, come on down and shoot hoops with us. And man, you killed us. You You didn't miss. And, and even some people were in the gym who didn't know Dave. Like, who is this? Who is this guy? Like, he just he doesn't miss. So you still you still got it, man. Well, a couple of things, right? Again, and the purpose of the podcast, a lot of guys can catch the ball when no one's guarding them and make make an open shot, right? And that's right. good. But keep in mind, you know, wide open looks at high school, wherever, college, junior college, D three, they don't come that often, so. You always want to practice at game tempo. We love playing, shooting, doing those shooting games now because we're a little bit older. 
But yeah. the funny thing about that, that was July of 21, guys. And my dad had passed away in May. And right. we had like eight guys. And this is probably a, a very good reason why I'm single and never got married. There was a gal I was supposed to meet that night and to have dinner. And <laughs> right, we're all itching to try to find a gym during COVID. And she said, wait a second now. So you would rather go get shoot around with a bunch of guys in their 40s and get all sweaty than meet me for dinner? And I said, well, well, yeah, I mean, there's a yeah. I, mean, I haven't shot around the gym in like years. And, you know, I never, she, she, I, uh, she didn't return my phone call after that. But, so uh, I, yeah. I take it that didn't, that didn't go well. I said, well, yeah. what about afterwards? Can't we meet up? And then she says too late. But I mean, you guys, we had like eight guys. It was a great night. It was fun, man. <laughs> it was fun. I feel bad that I stole your date from you. But uh, um, I'd rather so. Speaking of shooting drills, was there a favorite of yours like back when you were playing? So you're by yourself. Like, did you have any specific drills that you would do? Like, would you spin the ball out to yourself and make a move? Did you have to make 10 in a row? Or like, what, give me an example of a drill that would you'd recommend to a younger player. I think this one's great. You just need one other person, right? Just try to find a buddy. It's a good one because you can't cheat. And as always, as we know, when you start playing basketball, guys call fouls when they're not fouls and get chippy and everything. Like, yeah. Dave, you have your basketball, I have mine, right? Yep. It's the first guy to make 10 three-pointers. It sounds simple, but it's a race, okay? It's great. And the rules are this. You have to call out your makes, right? So if you make it, call out one so the other guy knows. And yep. then you can never touch my ball, and I can never touch yours. So if my ball rolls out to you, you just let it go. I do that with the undergrads up here at the University of Nevada, Reno. And when you, when you do that job drill for the first time, guys start huffing and puffing and they think they're a good shooter and they go like, why is this guy beating me every time? Because I, yeah. I can kind of structure these games to where I can win because I'm older. But that's a good one, right? Because you can't cheat. Either the ball goes in or it doesn't. And the other one I would highly recommend, it's called the Curry Drill or the Larry Bird Drill, is you put two minutes on your cell phone, right? Yep. You have to make two in a row from five spots okay so you make two from the corner two from the wing two from the top you have to make them in a row two from the wing two from the corner and then you go and you have to make 10 not in a row but you have to make 10 from the top of the key so you have to make two before you go to the next spot and you got to do it all in two minutes two minutes so the best guy i've ever seen i got to work him out here he's the starting two guard at this school up here at unr is jared lucas Scored 3,200 points in high school down in L.A. He got 22. He didn't miss one. Most I ever messed, most I ever got was 13. But the, the thing with these shooting drills is they don't lie. And I keep on saying that because yeah. there will be guys that will come out there and they're all cocky and like, oh, what, 10? And they, they just get buried in the corner. Like yeah. two in a row doesn't sound like a lot, and it's not. But you'd be amazed how many people have a hard time getting that ball over the rim so, twice. Uh, I love that. That's that's great. That's not Duff. That's kind of that echoes a little bit with with similar, our we, similar. We, yeah. we do a we do a two in a row drill as well. But there's yeah. one that uh, our friend Bob Mitchell, who's um, just a phenomenal shooter. He plays on our adult league team. He's a great great player. Played small college ball in Ohio. So he and I will do this drill sometimes. Dave, you might like this one. So yeah, you start at half court. You each have your own ball. You dribble up and you shoot a three. You put three minutes on the clock. So three okay. minutes on your phone, three minutes on the clock. For the first minute, you're just, the whole time you're shooting threes, getting your rebound, dribbling back to half court, coming back, shooting threes. For the first minute, every basket counts as one point. For the second minute, every basket counts as two points. And for the third minute, every basket counts as three points. 
How do you know when you're transitioning to the second and third minute? So it really is great to have a scoreboard. Got it. Got it. Okay. Got it. <laughs> and if not, it's really great to have a third person there because it's tiring, by the way. Yeah. To have a third person there, or if you can't do it, then you know use your Apple Watch or or figure it out. But um, it's great. It's a great drill because you can start off that drill and you're feeling great and you're going fast and you're you got your legs and you're knocking down jumpers, but those first ones don't count as much. By the third minute, you're dead. That's a great one. But but you have the leverage of you get three points for every basket. So that's that's kind of a good one. It's a little conditioning drill too. What's the most you guys have ever gotten? Oh, Mit- Mitchell's gotten a lot more than I have. I can't remember. Fifty. I think I want to. I want to say fifty. Yeah, that that sounds yeah like something I would not do. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's talk about Dave Deneen. We we gotta we're gonna speed up here, but let's yeah, talk about yeah. Dave Deneen, the coach. So, um, what did you look for in players as a coach? I mean, we, we talked about how you, you have did all, had all these intangibles as a player. So what do you look, so you talked about being on time, being a good teammate. What other things would you advise players to do as a, when you're a coach, what do you look for? So I, you know, I, the only thing I really coached was junior college. You know, I coached about six years of community college basketball. We had some really good teams, like at West Valley Junior College. We, I think my second year, seven or eight guys went Division One, which is unheard of. Um, wow. High le- levels. You know, we were like 32-3. and three. We made it to the state finals. We lost to Compton at UC Irvine, who just – we were, I worked for a guy, his name was Bob Burton and he ran a lot of box offense. So keep in mind, this is still the nineties when teams ran a secondary break and a lot of yep. sets and things like that. So, I mean, like junior college, again, I grew up in Marin County. I know a lot of parents, you know, might frown upon like, cause they want their, their child to have the, the full college experience. Um, a number, another reason I had to go to the community college is I just wasn't ready academically. I think that's a good option, right? I, let, I wasn't an outstanding student. I needed that foundation of English 101, English 102, and to get some confidence academically. But, um, you know, guys go to junior college or play at low levels for certain reasons. Usually it's because they're not good enough or they have a bad attitude or they stink in the classroom. You know, that's kind of why guys end up at those levels, um, guys or gals, right? So yeah, what, what I look for though is, you know, I'm again, I want someone that, you know, you want, you're going to be around these people for 11 months a year. You want somebody you can get along with, who's going to work hard, who's going to love the game. And sometimes, you know, people fall out of love with the game and that's fine too. Um, yeah. But some people just play because they're six foot eight and you can tell they hate it. But um, it's just, so, hey, what, what, yeah. do you, what do you think of today's game? This the style of play of today's game versus when you were playing. So, I mean, everything is five out, dribble drive, a lot of motion, kind of positionless basketball, everybody's shooting threes. Uh, compare and contrast that with when you were playing. So I will say this. If somebody made a three-pointer in 1990, it was a big deal. It was yeah. like, the, remember those games at San Francisco? Like Mike Ravello was the only one who shot it. Totally. And if it went in, people would go nuts because it was like, yeah. oh, my God, somebody shot a three-pointer. Now it's a chip shot. Like that right. high school three-point line, if you're not burping up, you know, 18, 20 of those a game, you're not playing the right way, I guess. Um, and I know analytics comes into play. And people yeah. always ask me, like, what are analytics in, in basketball? And, I mean, the simplest way I describe it is if I'm guarding, if you and I are playing, Dave, right now one-on-one, 
and I make you dribble more than twice inside the three-point line and shoot the ball and contest it and let you land and hard contest. Analytics say that goes in about 23% of the time. So we grew up in an area where everything was to the basket, the Lakers, Byron Scott. Now everybody flares out because shoot an open three, right? So it's, um, it is different. I like it. I mean, it's, I will say that the players are more skilled. I, again, you, you get 50 year old guys saying all oh, back in the day. No, I think <laughs> players are, are better because they shoot it better. They drive it. Um, they seem like they mature physically earlier. Um, that's just the way I see it. So I, I like the style of play. I remember there was a NBA Finals when Jordan had five or six threes, and that was a huge deal. Or Cliff Robinson. Oh my God, he had yeah. six threes, right? And, and that's like that's a that's a quarter for Clay Thompson, right? I know. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. All right. And then then Dave, there was this season that Ben Simmons had one three pointer. Remember that season? God, if if we have a one of these podcasts in thirty years, will he go down as the most overrated player? I mean, he can't shoot free throws, can't shoot, but I mean, I guess he's a freak athlete and can, can defend, right? So that's all you need. Now that's a guy who probably doesn't show up to practice on time. You know, he does not do the little things, yeah. right? Um, and that is reflected in the way that he plays. So. Um, my buddy, That's the first time to... you've gone negative at all on this podcast, Dave. You've been nothing but positive the entire. I'm very, time. I'm, I'm very positive. I mean, predicted. it was Ben Simmons who would bring it out. <laughs> like it's, he won't even. Of... Those guys at St. Mary's College where they get a lot of Australian players, a buddy of mine yeah, yeah. over there. None of them want to play with him. Like that's why he doesn't play on the Australian national team. They hate playing with him because he's such a sourpuss. You know. Yeah, I've yeah. I've I've heard that as well. Ben yeah. Simmons, if you're listening, we we love you. Yeah. Um, okay, we have reached the segment formerly known as the lightning round, but we have changed it. Dave, we're, we're changing with the times. Um, my friend KK recommended either calling it the fourth quarter or overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duffy wants to call it crunch time. I like that. Duffy, yep. do you want to go with crunch time? I'm, I think we let Dave... I'm open. I think we let Dave choose. This is, you know, okay. we're making making the swap on his guest appearance. It will, it will forever be what he decides now. Until Dave, we change you it choose again. the segment name. You choose the segment name, Dave. Let's go crunch time, gentlemen. Okay. We're going to go to the crunch time area. All right. I will ask you a question. You can give me an answer. Toughest player you've played against. Let's go Marin and then overall. So two different questions. Could be the same answer, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, Marin, I, I know I'm not just saying this to two of you guys home, Bucky Chavez, and people always say, like, why was he so good? He had Olympic lungs, never got tired, would pick you up yep. full court. And, like, what does that mean? Like, swimmers have a lump, Olympic lungs. Bucky yeah. was 6'4", 170, and could run for days and pick up Brian Shaw and Jason Kidd full court. That's just, yep. he, he was awesome um, and maybe a lot better player. And then the toughest guy, it probably was that Chris Heron because he was crazy, guys. He was the yeah. Massachusetts State Player of the Year. He was playing while on drugs, and he was chirping the whole time. He would he was dropping f bombs, talking about your mother and things like that. And he was nuts. He was a McDonald's All American, and yeah. he was scary. Um, he I couldn't stay in front of him to save my life. Brevin Knight, a very close second. Yeah, good answers. All right, yeah. favorite gym in Marin County. Probably that that Santa Venetia or that Venetia Valley gym, only because that's where my dad. Uh, which hasn't been updated since 19, probably uh, No, I, 
I coached a game there uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, it was, it's, it has not. You're correct. It has not been updated. It, same backboards, everything. But you know, yeah. uh, you, I think as we get older, we remember, we reflect back on the times we had with our father. Like that's where my dad first showed, showed me how to shoot a basketball. He said, "Hey, you should do this running Bill Russell left-handed um, hook yeah. shot." And I'm all, "Dad, if I try that on tryouts, I'm going to get cut within the first five minutes." So I can't do that. <laughs> what else you got? Because my dad was left-handed. So it's a special place in my heart, that small little gym. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I uh, I recently coached, uh, did some player evaluations for MBBA at the Davidson School Gym, which is in San Rafael. And I, I just grew up, you know, playing CYO as a third grader in that gym. And it wow, just it so brought cool. back, I, I hadn't been in that gym in a long time, and it brought back a lot of memories as I was walking in there. That's so uh, cool. Okay. Um, what's your least favorite gym in Marin County? Or maybe what's the gym where you shot the worst in your high school career? I would say Sam Marin, um, the coach who was there for a long time, rest in peace, Fairbuff. Paul, Fair, Paul Fairbuff. We, yeah. I got close to him. We would go and watch Lab's teams, Steve Lab's teams play yeah. now. And he said he purposely would not mop the floor before the games because, <laughs> I mean, you want to go back and look at his scores. They were 39-37. I mean, it was just stuck in mud, uh, no shot this clock. Is, this is like Deflategate. Some, this yes. is the Marin version of Deflategate. A bad lighting. This is before they probably redid the gym. I know they did read a lot of them in 2000, but just, uh, just, uh, and they ran flex for you know what seemed like seven minutes at a time, and, they, <laughs> and then they took a hard two. But um, Marin, yeah. <laughs> okay, favorite gym you've ever played in outside of Marin? Boston College. Our first game there, my senior year, Boston College. It was yeah. you know the first time I've ever been exposed to like an Ivy League type. The facilities, you know, you go into the locker room, they had a program there, they had a water bottle. It was just completely different than playing at Merced College or Renesto College as a JC flunky, you know. Yep. <laughs> okay, greatest coach and player in MCAL history? The greatest player, um, let's see, I mean, oh boy. I mean, Pete Hayward won so many games there, guys, and he had some great players. I mean, you go back, I know you can find it on the internet. Yeah. Um, and I heard what Mike said, you know, and he was very good. Mike Fulton, he was holding it back. Um, but I've had conversations with Mike about that. Yeah. But you know what? I don't know Jonas, but man, for, I've never heard anybody say like, it seemed like he won every close game. And I follow basketball. Like it seems like every game he won by two or three points. He never lost. Jonas, uh, Jonas, not only he was incredible preparing for games, right? Mm-hmm. So scouting teams and getting a team prepared, but in-game adjustments, halftime, like Branson under Jonas was an amazing second half team because he just, like I was talking about with Fulton, like we watch a game and Jonas is like, all right, figured it out. Here's what we got to do. Now it took, you know, he needed the players to do it, but he was, he was incredible. Pete was incredible. So on the Pete Hayward thing, Chris Fulton, my friend, Chris Fulton, Mike Fulton's brother, who listeners, uh, we didn't give Chris enough airtime. Chris played division one at Utah, was a phenomenal player, played pro ball in Australia. Amazing player. Um, he texted me that his Drake teams were 92-3 and three over a three-year period. Crazy. So just think about that. Um, yeah. And they're playing good teams, right? MCALs was tough, but then outside of MCAL. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough to say Pete Hayward wasn't the greatest greatest coach. Um, hey, Dave. Okay, how about player? Hey, Dave. Hey, Dave. Yeah. Have we extended the clock on crunch time? Are we letting it go long again? <laughs> You know, I mean, it, we we were up two, but the other team hit two free throws, Duff, and now we're in overtime. We're, we're doing the anti-Jonas now. 
<laughs> we're, we're going we're to flare it. Now we're backpedaling, I guess. Okay, last question. Greatest player in MCAL history? Yeah, I'm just going to throw a little caveat on this. I know not the best player ever, but I would argue with somebody probably the best, one of the best athletes to ever come out of Marin County is Will Venable. Um, Sanford High oh. School, class of 2000. And, and for people who don't know who Will, he went to Princeton. Uh, I believe he started three years there, played in an NCAA tournament, was the player of the game, and then played Major League Baseball for about a 10-year, 12-year career. So I would put him up against, as a two-sport would did you guys have somebody that would rival that as as a two sporter at a very high level? Like I know there's a lot of great hoopers, a lot of good football players, golf and all that. But to play, yeah, I can't think of a two sporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's a that's a that's a good one. I'm sure somebody will email me with something. Um, okay, Bo Jackson, well, we, we, not not from Marin, right? Bo Jackson, not not originally from Marin. <laughs> Bo Jackson, not from no. not from Marin. Okay, we will. We will stop crunch time. Duffy, do you have any questions, comments, thoughts, suggestions? Did we get a whiteboard moment, Dave? Uh, you know, we did not. Again, did I forgot one? the whiteboard. Go, you go, go. Yeah, either as a player or coach, I would just say, Dave, whenever I haven't played with you that much, mm-hmm. um, but when I when I have played with you, you always have simple little sort of you know verbal and or like uh, physical, visual sort of cues that will are in there just to you know muck up the opponent. And they work real simple things that work really, really well, like you know coming to set a screen with your fist up and then immediately turning and diving to the hoop for a layup, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. So, yeah, a little slip screen, sure. Yeah. I think one that goes, guys, and I, and I go back and forth with guys and say they, that you can't get in a Division one college basketball game, but teams get it is the two dribbles reverse pivot the guy in the short corner calls for the ball and then it's a quick hit backdoor play and then you have a staggered on the other side um to draw the defense usually if it's an over aggressive defender i mean i i played a couple of jc tournaments in my late 20s and my buddy saul and i we got that like six times in one game so i mean it's a it's a unique play but those slip screens like tom poser love always loved playing with him because he could make that pass a lot of guys don't wait for that action to evolve So we're one of our uh, terms, our glossary terms that I'm going to do. We might have even done it on this episode. I'm not sure. Uh, is ghost right? Which is a ghost screen, which is the modern version of the the slip screen, but it's a but it's a ball screen. So it's players with the ball, wing coming up to set a ball screen for the point guard, but instead of setting the screen, they just dive to the basket, right? Yeah. So that's that's called a ghost, and it's a very popular action right now, particularly in the modern game, right? With five out, a lot of free flowing motion, a lot of ball screens, but then that ghost is a great kind of change of direction. And either you hit the, hit the player cut into the basket or just by doing that ghost screen and cutting, you're creating a gap for the ball handler, right? The ball handler yeah. follows. Um, so and it, goes. Kids, it goes. But kids, kids out there, the ghosting, not so cool on social media. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't ghost your on. friends. Right. Yeah. yeah. And not, cool. um, all right. Um, uh, Dave, it's been amazing. Um, we might need to do round two with Dave cause we, we got off on tangents, but I think they were all good tangents. Um, you're, a, a great ambassador for the game. You have a great story. I think that everybody, I know we, we did a lot of Marin inside baseball here, but, um, I'm hoping that people who listen to this appreciate, um, just the value of hard work, 
attitude, the little things that you did, and you turned yourself into a hell of a basketball player. Um, and you're an awesome guy. So thank you so much for your time. Really fun to talk to you. Thanks for doing this, guys. Keep it going. I'll be listening to every one of the uh, podcasts you guys have, okay? Awesome. 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 Thank you, Dave. And you are Thanks, also well-spoken and articulate as well. <laughs> Thanks. I'll, I'll tell that to my students when they leave my room or my uh, office. Or... <laughs> yeah. All right. See you, Dave. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, that was an awesome interview. Uh, as I say in every one of these interviews, I could have talked to Dave for hours, and that's uh, certainly the case here. But um, he's one of one. He's one of my favorite people in the world. He's also really one of my favorite people to play hoops with. And uh, quite fortuitously, Duff, maybe a week after we um, interviewed Dave, he texted us and said, hey, I'm going to be in Marin. Um, let's, let's hang out. And uh, we ended up playing some hoops together. So Duff, why don't you tell that story? Well, yes, I will. And first, we went to coffee at Pete's. And by the way, Dave, today, it's not iced coffee. It's disappointing. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're in a different location. I did not have iced coffee. Available. But we have coffee. We, we have do coffee. have coffee. So we went to coffee. And Dave, I'm going to go Dave Deneen is Double D, and you're Dave. So Dave Levine, Coach Levine, asked Double D to show us the play that he described on the podcast that you just listened to. And we did that at coffee with some coffee cups and you know other, uh, other tools. And then we went uh, to the gym and Double D was not gonna be able to play with us. He had a brunch with his mom. Right. And uh, so, but then he saw us getting ready and he saw people going into Red Brown Gym and he got that look in his eye and man, he wanted to play. But yep. there was another problem. He didn't, didn't, did not have shorts. Didn't have shorts. But thank you, Brian. Uh, Brian from Archie Program, Brian Wright. He had some shorts, and so we got Dave some shorts, and uh, we got a run-in, and it was really fun. We were a mixed team, so Dave, Dave, and I playing with a couple younger Archie players against some of the Archie varsity guys. First game of the day, we're going to five by ones. And what was the score, Dave? We were deadlocked at 4-4, four, four, Duff. 4-4, four, four. yeah. We had sort of run some sneaky action, hit some shots. We were lucky to be in there 4-4, four, four, but we had the ball. And Double D was like, let's run that play. So Dave Deneen was like, let's run that play. And so the play that we ran, just to run through it again, we've been told not to do whiteboard verbally, but we're going to try our best here. So Dave Levine has the ball. He's got it center of the court, out past the three-point line. He passes to the left wing, extended, so kind of fairly close to the sideline initially, to double D. I'm in the short corner. What's the short corner, Dave? Short corner is along the baseline, kind of between the three-point line and the lane line and the key. So like maybe 10 feet out from the basket along the baseline. It's a very common spot to have a player right. on offense. And then we had the other two players on the right side of the court, right. and we had a shooter coming from the baseline. So Dave passes to Double D and goes down, and he uh, is setting a stagger screen. So two screens staggered, so not at the same time, but not separated by very much space. And the whole idea is we're running a shooter off of two screens with the idea that that shooter is either gonna curl or flare or pop and get open for a shot. So the reason this play is really cool is because so the, the it starts with a pass to the left wing, and then I, who was the point guard, I'm going to screen away, as Duffy's talking about, going to the right side of the court. There's a wing on the right side of the court, 
and I'm the point guard, and then there's a player in the right corner. So we're passing and screening away, very common action. So the defense thinks, oh, okay, it's a pass to the left wing. They're setting a double screen for the guy in the right corner to come off and get a shot. Right. Continue, Dove. So what happens then is, and Dave Deneen was very specific about this because the timing matters. So it's a couple big dribbles uh, with the ball towards that pass. So that essentially showing that you're going to be able to cut down the angle and have a better angle to make that pass to the shooter coming off that stagger. It's two dribbles, and then it is a jump stop, big jump stop, which we don't really teach players very much anymore, but we love the jump stop. And as that jump stop's occurring, the shooter, happened to be me, was in the short corner. They taking a step out towards the three-point line. So you want that player to be a threat from outside. And the defender on that side is now totally exposed because all the other actions happen on the right side. So they have to make a choice. And what the choice is going to be most of the time is to step out towards that shooter. They're like, uh-oh, now i got to recover. They had been help side. Now they got to recover to shooter. And so as the jump stop occurs, short corner guys popping out towards the three, and then there's a reverse pivot. So Dave Deneen, reverse pivot, and as that's occurring, back door, right along the baseline, bounce pass. There was no one within five or six feet of me, Dave. And miraculously, I made, the, I made that layup. You because made the layup it could have been 50-50 making that layup. But fortunately, no one around me made the layup. And... Uh, we won that game. We ended, up, we ended up running the table that day, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Dave Deneen, very fun guy to play with because he's always cutting back door. He's always setting something up, and uh, yeah, we had we had a great time. Wolf, wolf, a lot wolf. of wolf. wolf. Um, yeah, I, I've I've got to say that might be the most fun I've had playing basketball in a long, long time, and I've had some great years playing with our adult league team. And um, but Deneen Duff. Deneen and I um, had a great time playing together, and it was just satisfying that an hour earlier we're sitting around having coffee with, you know, sugar packets and non-dairy creamer uh, containers running through this play, and then an hour later we're running it to win the game, and it worked beautifully. So very, very cool. And subsequently, we've done uh, Dave's shooting drills as well. The you know Larry Bird, Larry Bird drill, Larry absolutely. Bird drill. We we love that one. Um, so just a few more observations, stuff on the interview. Um, I love how we talked about focusing on what you can control. You know, as a walk-on, you're not going to get much attention. I thought that was really great advice. So the little things like be on time, be a good teammate, stay out of trouble, get good grades, you know, all those things that, yeah, look, if you're not a good basketball player, you're not going to make a college basketball team. But if you are on the team, take care of those little things that you can control, right? And he did that. And then also just find your role. And he talked about, I was fascinated that he didn't, I'd forgotten that he didn't really shoot a lot of threes in high school. Because when I think of Dave, he's one of the best three-point shooters I've ever seen, uh, right next to Duffy here. And so his Santa Rosa JC coach told him, hey, to play for us, you got to hit threes. So then he, uh, Duffy burped up 353s a day. Burped him up. And by the way, 353s a day, that's a lot. Go shoot 350 shots. It takes takes some time. Um, but he, today, in 52 years old, a great three-point shooter still uh, because he, he just worked at it. So I thought that was cool. And if you are 12 years old, please don't go burp up 353. So you're going you're gonna to break your shot. That's something to do when you're 17, 18 years old. You should be burping up some layups. To start Good point. Burping up a mic and drill. Good point. I don't have... Uh, 
a lot else, uh, Dave. I just thought I would just mention with regards to Branson, the question like, you know, how did they get so good? It is to me ironic that they became good by joining the MCAL and now it appears that they are getting so good that they may be leaving the MCAL. And as a, you know, as a player who played for Marin Academy, and we beat Branson you know, a bunch of times when I was there, yeah. that, that simple thing of moving to the bigger league, it's kind of like if you're a younger player, like Mike Fulton says, just always play up. Like just by virtue of better competition, they became better. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, that's part of it, for sure. That, that's a contributor, uh, I, I think. Um, you know, when, when I was at Branson, I mean, we would always schedule MCAL teams in the preseason, right? We'd play Redwood and Drake, and, and it was always a huge deal for us to play against the MCAL teams. It was, it was fun, right, because those are your friends. Um, but, yeah, I think that, that contributed to it. And you're right, now they're, they're really good. I've got to say, I just saw Branson play yesterday at a, a tournament. They're, they're really, really good. Um, it's going to be a fun year. Well, I saw their JV play yesterday, and yeah, yeah, their, their JV is stacked. Yeah. So, uh, Dave Deneen, awesome interview. We appreciate his time. Uh, don't be shocked if we have round two with with Deneen at some yeah. point. Um, can we move on to the player control segment, Duff? Player control, and I know you're going to go on for a while. No, no, you're going to do bullet. I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to do one thing real quick. Yes. All right. So, in the last episode, we had some banter about tag the tag action and you wrote a line for me saying that i had played the game of tag and i in the moment i was like i said no i've never played the game and that's not true i I have have played the game of tag not recently because when you become 50 years old it's not a game that you really want to play Mm -hmm. but yes i have played the game it's i wouldn't say it's one of my favorite games but it is an institution as a game so that's an important clarification thank you duff okay i want i want to hit on a few things in the deneen interview bullet points Happy to delve further. Email me, people. Show notes. Show notes. First, Brett Tavani. I say he coached for 40 years. He coached for over 50 years or right. almost 50 years. Early 70s uh, till just recently. So, uh, Crunch coach, time. Keep coach going. Tavani, Keep going. 50 years. And also spent some time at Dominican. Uh, Dave mentions Jeff Martin at TAM when he talked about the inside-out move that Tavani helped him learn how to defend. Jeff Assistant coach at Redwood, a great player and coach. I wanted to give a shout out to to Jeff. He coaches with Jada Maestri and Kevin Vasquez at, for the Redwood Boys. Um, we mentioned Steve Lavin a lot, and I talked about how he coached at UCLA, St. John's, USD. He actually started his college career coaching at Purdue with Gene Cady as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Just missed that one. Mm-hmm. Um, MCAL discussion. This was a big one. We we talked about the change in the MCAL schedule. Uh, and then we delved into the boys' side. We did not talk about the girls' side, so I apologize there. But we will be, Dave. We will be. You don't, you don't need to apologize for that. Keep well, going. I just want to Keep make going. Sure, I want to make sure people appreciate this is a equally boys and girls podcast. And finally, this is a really important one. When Dave asked about academics, and we were talking about the Branson academics, and I mentioned that you know we're very fortunate in Marin to have great academics at both the private schools and the public schools, and I listed off some of the private schools. I failed to mention Marin Catholic, and Marin Catholic is a phenomenal uh, academic institution in addition to being um, just next level good in many, many sports. So I apologize, MC, you should have been mentioned there. Um, so there's my player control segment for the Dave Deneen portion. Right. I have one more. Can I do? Do I have permission to do one more? No, we'll table it. We'll table it. Table. It. Yeah, it's, we. It's getting long. Okay. Yeah, we have, we have a whole Google file, a Google Drive with the player control. We do. Right. I'm sure I have more. 
you know, now, now I'm feeling inadequate that I don't have more player control items. Email us. What did we screw up? Duffy, you, yeah. you play defense without fouling, apparently. <laughs> Just if you don't play any defense at all, it's hard to foul. There right? you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been a great episode. Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, we have some great content coming up. I believe our next episode is probably going to be an interview with my brother, Chris Ballard, uh, NBA insider. And uh, we've already recorded it. And it is uh, another great, uh, somewhat long, but another great episode with a lot of insights into uh, the Warriors, LeBron, and uh, just being a sports writer. Uh, and so listen, we'll be popping that out. We'll be burping that out in about a week or so. All right. Thanks for listening. Right, thanks for listening. Burks on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County.